I was giving birth and I was literally working in the hospital. It was launch day and I knew I couldn't miss some of the stuff that needed to go live and things that needed to be posted. And so I was like on my phone and I had my computer out and now I look back and I'm like, that's terrible. I didn't take a minute to breathe. What is up, everyone? I'm Kyle and I am the host and founder of the Freedom to Fail podcast and Fail Nation, a community where failing while pursuing our dreams is a positive and taking uncertain chances is celebrated. This podcast is for those who have a dream of starting a business or doing something they've always dreamed of, but have been held back by their fears. Our purpose is to share the unsuccessful stories of successful people so that you can learn how to take the first steps towards achieving your dreams. You deserve to live a life full of freedom and free of fear. Let's do this. Okay, so today... I am here with Courtney. How are you doing, Courtney? Good. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's awesome. We're down here in Provo, both of our hometown, actually. She grew up on one side. I grew up on the other. Our high schools were rivals, bitter rivals. It's a great place to be. (laughs) (laughs) But she has started a company called Courtney Jean that has done really, really well. You started it in 2014, right? Yeah, April of 2014. So it's we're coming up on six years. Okay. Yeah. And... Honestly, in all that time, it's done really well because you started it at your house, but now you're in this just big facility. You've got your own warehouse over here and everything. You were one of the, one of Utah Valley's top five fastest growing companies under five years. You personally have also been named like Utah Valley's 40 under 40. I saw a bunch of that. So you've just really been able to accomplish a lot with what you've done with your business. But for our audience that's listening, do you want to just explain a little bit about what Courtney Jean is and how you got started? Yeah. I mean, it feels surreal every day walking into the office. So it's pretty fun um, what I do. But I think people forget that running a business isn't all fun and games. We make swimwear for all categories. Our biggest is women, but we carry for men, kids, youth, babies, so that you can shop for the whole family. People love coordinating or mixing and matching with their family. So it's really fun to see the combos and, and choices people choose out and come up with. Um, we also have a few fun other little extra things that we provide, but we, our main focus is just empowering people to be comfortable in a bathing suit. It's the least amount of clothing you wear out in public. And so our main goal is just empower men and women to join in with their kids or their families or their neighbors, wherever they're going to put that swimsuit on and dive right in. Cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. How did you get started with this? Like, were you always planning on starting a business growing up or where did this all start from? I don't think my mindset was ever I'm going to start a business, but I did grow up in an entrepreneurial family. And so I just, that was always what life was for me. I didn't know any different, but I didn't start Courtney Jean with the mindset of I'm going to start a business. However, I Growing up here in Utah, I feel like everyone wore the same swimsuits and I loved to sew. It was a passion of mine. So I decided in high school, I was going to make my own swimsuit to set myself apart. And I just instantly had like friends and family ask if I would make them one. So it kind of steamrolled from that. Okay. So that was in high school. When did you officially get Courtney Jean up and going? Yeah. So in high school, it was my senior year. I was just making myself and then I went off to college And I did college in 18 months. I went to FIDM, which is a fashion institute. So it was very hyper-focused on what I wanted to do. So I was able to fast track that and do just exactly what I wanted to learn. And through that, I was still sewing 
on the side making some suits selling them on Etsy. But I had a lot of other dreams and ambitions while I was there. I got to work a lot in the industry and figure out what I was passionate about. And so I thought there was other things I was going to do. Like what? Oh, I love children's clothing, um, children's wear in general. Just, I mean, this was not that long ago, but long enough ago that there wasn't any options really out there other than your trucks and your printed t-shirts. <laughs> all the gap, baby all, gap. Yeah, that's all there really was. And so I saw the niche there and I thought I would do something more aimed towards that. And I do a little bit, I guess, now that I have baby and kids, but I'm definitely in a whole different market and um, category than I originally thought I would be in. So I'm always just curious to learn from other entrepreneurs. We were talking about this a little bit about how they overcome struggles, how they overcome failures and stuff. At the beginning, you said it's not all fun and games and there's a lot of hard times there. With your company, what do you think has been up to this point, some of the biggest failures or biggest challenges that you've had to overcome? It's hard to think of like very specific moments because I feel like there's just new challenges after new challenge. (laughs) It never runs smoothly and nothing's ever perfect. However, I can remember when I first decided to launch Courtney Jean, I graduated college and I was a newlywed and a lot of encouragement to manufacture because I was, I did have the demand, um, but I was hand sewing all of the swimwear I was offering. So I decided I was going to manufacture. I went to school for it. I understood it or I thought I did. And so I started to manufacture and I had done a couple runs and it was, they were good and I was selling and I thought all was well. So I, I put in another order and it all came itty bitty. Everything was so small and I didn't understand how that could happen after I had, like I said, run a couple runs and I had ordered, I think it was like a hundred swimsuits, but at the time, like Courtney Jean was run solely based off of my savings. So it was scary being a newlywed and my husband being in school. I put all we had into Courtney Jean to get it going, but it came super small and I had like a hundred pieces and there's just no way I could even sell them, but I had paid for it. And I, I'd pay for the fabric and I, I didn't know what I was going to do and it was constructed for a woman. And so I couldn't sell it as like a kid's swimsuit because it had like a bra in it and that would just look so silly. And I had to learn quickly that I couldn't just trust the manufacturer to know what they were doing and that I needed to follow up more and just be way more involved. And I learned they actually just didn't let the fabric rest, which I didn't know was a thing that I needed to be concerned about, but they didn't take the time to let the fabric rest. So they cut it before it had rested. And then after they'd sewn it, it shrunk right up. And it was like, I'm not joking, five sizes smaller than it should have been. It was just like, it was terrible. I ended out learning a lot from that, but the knowledge I had prior, I just thought like, oh, I got this. Like, I understood swimsuits I'd make them myself. So I understood the construction of the garment. And then I had done some schoolwork in manufacturing and got to work hand in hand with manufacturers. So I just thought I knew at least enough to make it through the bigger stuff. But you learn a lot along the way that you don't even think that you have to. <laughs> and that was a big hit on me because I was just starting up. It was in my first year of manufacturing and things were going smoothly. And then that happened and I had to just kind of bite the bullet on it and learn from that mistake and try to move forward. So that was really unfortunate, but 
it won't happen again. <laughs> yeah, because you've learned from it. For I've sure. learned from it. <laughs> yeah. So when that happened, when you got all your when you got all those swimsuits back and they were too small, what was going through your mind? Walk me through kind of what oh, you were feeling. I just I instantly panicked. I had all my sisters come over and they were trying them on and seeing if like the larger sizes I could get on like a size small and a size small was like definitely way too small for any body that wasn't probably 10 years old, but I was trying to see like, maybe I could get a large or an extra large on a medium or a size small person. And I was trying to figure all that out. And I was totally panicked. I didn't have enough money to put another run in. If I wasn't able to sell those, it was one of those things where I was just cycling my money, manufacturing a little more each time to try to create that growth and keep up with demand. And there was really just nothing I could do with those. And I was calling the manufacturers saying like, this isn't right. Like this is your mistake. This should be on you. However, I get all my supplies from different suppliers. And so although they may help me with the sewing and the construction of the garment, I'd already paid for thread and fabric and all of those materials, the bra pads and all that. And so even if I got some kind of help on the construction side, I was out majority of the money because it was the sewing mistake. It, it wasn't anyone else's. And so I honestly just panicked. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> like I said, I was trying it on everyone and I just, I knew that I couldn't sell them and that it was just a loss. And I sat down and I created like a deal <laughs> that I was going to present to our manufacturer to make another line, but hold off on payment for me because they had made the mistake, but maybe I could get a line out and create some revenue and then kind of get back on track from that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so did they go for that? They did. Um, I had to pay. I had a little bit of money. Like I said, I was kind of cycling. So I made a little more each time. And so I was able to buy just the fabric and then they held off on payment till after I launched and they allowed me to do that, which is crazy now to think of because I was so small. I was insignificant to them compared to what they would, yeah. they were manufacturing for other companies. And I was just doing the very minimum that they would allow. And so I'm shocked now that they allow me to do that, but I'm grateful they did because I wouldn't have, I would have had to go back to either making them myself or I don't know, because I had no funds and it's because I sat down and I decided like, what can I do instead of just like letting that failure stop me and prevent yeah. me from moving forward. And it didn't hurt for me to present them with something. If they said no, then I move on to a different solution. Right. But it worked out. So I'm glad that they went for it again, though. I'm shocked that they did. <laughs> yeah. Even me listening. I'm like, there's no way I would do that. But. Right. So why do you think they took that chance on you? I like to think that they saw potential in my business and what I was creating. It was my third run I had done with them that year. Okay. But so again, it was just like I'd shown a little bit that they sell and that I could make my payments, but I was just doing very minimum. I, their minimums were like a hundred pieces and I was like their worst nightmare because I was doing their minimum, but then I was throwing like 10 times the amount of fabric on them that they were used to and that they usually would allow. But I like to think that they saw potential <laughs> and I don't know if that's true, but they also knew they had made the mistake. So maybe it was their way of compensating cool. for that. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point. I mean, you mentioned this as well. Worst thing that happens, they say no and you find another solution there. I feel like a lot of times people get to that first roadblock 
And if they're out of money, a lot of times they'll just throw their hands in the air and be like, well, I'm done. I tried it. I gave it my best shot and I can't make it work. But you can be creative. Yeah. Most people would not have gone to them with that kind of plan, with that kind of suggestion. And it's funny to me because for me, when you first said it, I was like, oh no, there's no way I would do that. But thinking about it, like if someone showed that much initiative and showed that much like drive to want to do it, my human instinct as an entrepreneur is to try and help other people be successful too. So you never know. Like if you have those kind of struggles that you're going through, just come up with a potential plan and throw it out the wall and see what sticks. Because like Courtney here, you could get lucky and have them take a chance and then from that success, be able to grow it into something that you could never imagine before. It's definitely scary and you don't know the outcome. But what I always tell myself is like, well, what's the worst case scenario? And if I can handle that, then why not try? Yeah. And I've mentioned this in the past on another podcast, but have you ever heard of Tim Ferriss? No. Okay. So he's an author, a speaker. He just does a bunch of things, but he thinks outside of the box. And So one thing that he does is he does this thing called fear setting where he thinks of the worst case scenario, the absolute worst thing that can happen and he writes it down and then he comes up with a plan on on how he's going to overcome that if it does come to that. Because I I think once you have that worst case scenario down, it's less scary because you realize that even if the worst happens, then you have a plan to get past it there. Yeah. And I think sometimes we think the worst case scenario is worse than it actually is. So if you stop and think about it, it's less intimidating. It's a minor setback mm-hmm. at most. Like mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to be something that is going to completely change the outcome of your life most of the time. Yep. So that kind of brings me into something that we've been dealing with a lot lately. And I wanted to just get your thoughts on it as a business owner. And obviously, as a small business owner myself, it's something that I've had my thoughts on too. But with this whole outbreak of the coronavirus and everything, and then just this morning in Utah, we had a earthquake that for Utah was pretty big. And And a bunch of aftershocks. And a bunch (laughs) of aftershocks. Yeah. It woke me up in bed. There was a lot of damage that was done to buildings everywhere. So kind of throwing all this within one week has been really, really crazy. I was talking to some friends and I said that Honestly, this past week has been like the craziest time of my life besides 9-11. Just this whole week has been so much uncertainty that it's been kind of hard to figure out what to do. So what have been your thoughts surrounding that? Have you felt any fear or any worry? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think this podcast landed at a funny time because of it. There's so much concern and since there's so much unknown around what's going on right now and how I think it's just the unknown of other people and their reactions and how each individual is going to take this, I don't want to call it crisis, but just this odd time of life, which leaves us as a small business. And I feel like local businesses as well of, we just don't know what to expect. And once we do get through this time period will we survive or how are we going to revamp up once um, we are kind of through it and we don't know how long it's going to last. But I think it just comes down to us as humans to just join forces and remember that we are in it together. It's an us thing, not take care of yourself. 
I'm not naive to what's happening. And obviously we should all be aware of what is going on in the world, but at the same time, don't forget each other and don't forget that it's a time that we do need to come together and support small and support local. My husband's a restaurant owner. And as we all know, like they're only allowed to do takeout or drive-throughs and not a lot of people are going to be willing to do that unless you have a drive-through that makes it really difficult. Right. And so there is a lot of uncertainty, but I think if we come together as people and just help each other out. I say, if we all make little sacrifices, then it won't change our lives. But if we have to make a few people make big sacrifices, then it will change people's lives. But if we all just cut back a little bit and help in places that we can, then we'll all be okay after everything has gone through, which (laughs) I don't know if it'll it'll go away. It's not going to go away, but it just comes down to our mindset. Yeah. I was going to touch on that there. How have you been able to control that fear these past few days instead of letting your mind just get washed away into worst case scenario? Because you look at social media, nine out of the 10 posts that I see every single day now are about like worst case scenario situations. And it's only about the horrible things going on. So what do you do to stay focused and realize that this isn't really going to make a huge difference in the grand scheme of things? Something my husband always says that he loves about me, but also hates about me is I always wake up happy. And I know that's like, I hate those people that are always happy, but I feel like I'm almost one of those people. I don't let fear or the unknown control my life. I just focus on what I'm able to control and what I can put forth into the world. And if I focus on that, then I don't get stressed out or as stressed out over all of the things that I have no control over. If you can't control it, then why not put your time and your effort and and your mindset towards the things that you can and work on the things that you can and you'll feel just so much more productive and energized and you don't let that fear and stress creep in. And yes, like I am stressed about a lot of things and there are things in my life that are failures, but if you focus on the other side of things, then I think it just helps get through times like this. Yeah. One thing that we can see is that we can see a lot of spiraling going on in times like this. People get stuck into the worst case scenario and they lose all energy. They lose all motivation to do things, which obviously is going to make their situation moving forward worse off, which then is going to make them lose more energy and more focus. And so by focusing on things that we don't have literally any control over, that just makes us feel helpless. Mm -hmm. And so we just want to curl up in a ball and not do anything. So it's really important for our mental health, especially too, to be able to focus on what we can control. Like we have a very small locus of control and we need to just focus all of our time on that because then we can still make those small changes that will make a big difference in the, in the grand scheme of things, like you said. So I think that's a really good point there. Just focus on what you can control. Even if you need to just create a to-do list, just a checklist every single day of the tiny things that you need to do. And then that's going to create a spiraling effect as well. Once you see yourself having more success, in spite of all this uncertainty, you're going to be more willing to put in the work and to be able to see a lot more positive outcomes in the future too. Yeah, for sure. I feel like from a business standpoint, um, your customers reflect for the most part, what you're putting out. And so whatever you are focused on, the message you are sharing, they're going to soak that in and and react more towards your attitude than others. And so 
I think putting out into the world what you want people to feel and what you want them to expect from you is the route to go because you just get a more positive response. Yeah. As humans, we mirror what other people are doing. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason why there's all this paranoia, I think, because so many people are spreading it. And because someone else is worried, then that naturally makes us worried. But if we can promote calmness to our audience, to whoever we are around, then that's going to help calm them down as well. And so I think that's a really, really good point there. I love that. I want to jump back in this whole journey that you've had. You've been around for six years now. I want to focus with this podcast more moving forward on small businesses and how they can take that step from being just a tiny business from their house into growing it something that has the potential that could be global and just a really big thing. What are some of the biggest challenges that you've had to figure out from starting it at a one person crew that you were to now growing to being this multiple? How many employees do you have now? There's 16. Okay. Yeah. So now you have a lot of people that you are doing the payroll for and having to cover and you keep growing more and more there. So what have been some of the biggest challenges from where you started to where you are now? I think in the beginning, and I have to still remind myself is I was the biggest preventer of growth without me knowing I was. I started in my own house. I, I was sewing them myself. And then when I was manufacturing, I moved into my basement where I could ship out and do customer service and sampling and all of that. And I was still doing it myself, but I thought, well, I have plenty of room. Like I'm keeping up on demand and everything that's coming in. And what I didn't realize is if I had hired help or allowed myself more space, I would have grown more quickly because the second I chose to move out and move into a warehouse, I grew 10 times what I did when I was in my basement just because I had allowed myself the space to grow and the ability to grow. And the vision, the potential. Yeah, the potential to grow because I had given it that. And I think I have to remind myself sometimes that I don't have to do everything. And although I do have the ability, I don't know if you'd know Jenna Kutcher and I, I don't know the exact quote, but I love her business advice. And she always puts out a lot of great content into the world. But she said, you can do everything, but you shouldn't do it all. And if you pick out the things that are your strengths and allow others to do everything else, the other things, then you you can grow more. You can see the potential. And there's so much talent out there that they may know it better and that's okay. And to let things go and allow it that growth. So how do you give yourself permission to let go because I know that for everybody that starts a home-based business, that's their baby. What do you do or what did you do to allow yourself to trust other people instead of keeping (laughs) and micromanaging everyone? I think it's still something I'm learning. I just am still so involved in Courtney Jean of every little thing. I know the ins and outs of every position still one thing after the other that I realized that they do have the ability. And once I did realize that I was able to bring on more people onto the team and put some trust in them. And it's a little easier when you're small because you have that one-on-one training time and you work directly with them on making sure everything is how you would do it and how you want it to be done. And then as you grow, you have to put more and more trust into that and know that like you may not be the one training that employee anymore, but you have the talent already that does have the ability to train that person. And it's just 
allowing yourself to trust that. And if there are mistakes and failures along the way that you'll figure it out and it's not going to be the end of the world. And you learn from those failures and mistakes. I appreciate my failures and mistakes because without them, I wouldn't be able to have grown to where I am now. And so you just have to trust it'll be okay. And when it's not, you'll figure out how to get through that. So with that, obviously, once you start growing, you want to make sure that everyone has the same sort of experience with the brand there. What are some of the systems and the trainings that you have incorporated and established with your business to make sure that everything runs smoothly and that it's not just one person doing whatever they want whenever? That's something I could definitely be better at is systems and (laughs) programs in place. But when a girl starts, we actually, they may be hired for a specific position, but I want them to dip their toes in everything so that they see a little bit of the ins and outs of how the life of a swimsuit goes, you know, from shipping and customer service and marketing and all of that, that they get to see a little bit of it. And we involve them in different projects so that although they may be on our customer service team, that they know what it takes to run the business and that they, they may not come in knowing the brand 100, but we um, have them assist at photo shoots or try on swimsuits for us so we can see on different body types if they're comfortable and do some of that other stuff so that they can pick up on the brand more and more and that they can get the Courtney Jean personality. So when they are interacting with customers, that it feels consistent between each person. Yeah, I really like that because then they know how the overall process is going to feel regardless of if they're only doing one thing there. That's a cool thing that I haven't heard many people doing. So I like that a lot. Yeah, I think it wasn't something I've always done, but I saw that different teams used to just kind of stick with themselves. Um, But I've always, as the team has grown, that the separation kind of happened. And I've always wanted to have a really strong, like cohesive team. And so making them, asking them to assist on other projects or in other positions, I feel like has brought my team closer together and they all know each other's names and they know at least a little bit about each other so that it's not just like total strangers when you come in. And that's really big for number one, obviously a smooth process, but number two for team morale and just making work an enjoyable place for people to come in which then makes you a lot more profitable, which then makes you be able to grow a lot more too. So yeah, it's a full circle. Yeah. I wanted to kind of switch gears a little bit. And I'm curious because you said your husband owns a couple businesses as well, right? Yeah. What is it that he does again? He owns local restaurants and manages different restaurant brands. So how is that being in a home where you both are running completely separate businesses there? I don't recommend it. <laughs> But I don't know if it would be harder to work together either. So I don't think there's any right or wrong way to live your life. But it's definitely difficult. We are very understanding of each other because of it. We both know if we need to be at work or get something done, that that is important. And we don't take offense to those things. And we're both just used to working like 24-7. And if a phone call comes up, it's that's just life. And then we had our first baby a year and a half ago. And I feel like it completely changed our world as far as where our mindsets were at. We still both run our businesses and it hasn't changed that, but we realized that it's okay to slow down. And we realized how much we were working and how much time and effort we were putting towards 
our businesses and not towards just like our own mental health and each other and our family. And we never took time to slow down. And so that was a blessing in our life to make that switch. And it wasn't easy and it took a lot of time. I mean, I was working, I was giving birth and I was literally working in the hospital. It was launch day and I knew I couldn't miss um, some of the stuff that needed to go live and things that needed to be posted. And so I was like on my phone and I had my computer out and now I look back and I'm like, that's terrible. Like I didn't take a minute to breathe. And now we have learned to make some of those adjustments. It's hard having our own businesses. I also think we would butt heads if we work together. So there are pros and cons. It's also a really risky life. I mean, either of our businesses could fail at any moment, but both of our businesses have different aspects that offers to our family and teaches us and helps us. And so both are equally important and it's fun learning from each other and his is local and mine is e-commerce. And so it's totally different worlds, but there are things that we are able to take from each other and learn. So it's interesting life that we live. (laughs) I don't know if I could do that, but you mentioned a couple of things. Like obviously there's so much learning potential there, just being around someone else who is starting a business. Like I love being around other entrepreneurs there. And so I can only imagine what it would be like being married to someone who has that same mindset there. Like I think the energy would be contagious for sure because I love that kind of energy. But then the amount of time that it takes and the amount of focus that it takes away from other things in life too can sometimes be hard to balance there. Well, and the funny part about us is we are polar opposite when it comes to running a business. Um, He's very serious. He stresses over everything and he'll admit that so I can say it. And he's not a risk taker. And I'm on the opposite spectrum. I am just kind of a free spirit and I will take risks and I don't stress over many things. And as things come, I deal with it. And so we're a good balance when something comes up on either side to help each other out. Congrats on your baby. That's super exciting there. Thank you. A year and a half. I'm sure that that has brought a lot of changes like you mentioned. What are some of the things that you and your husband do now to focus on the family side of things or focus on the mental health? Because you brought that up and I think that's a really big big factor for entrepreneurs, especially local businesses that can find themselves doing every single job all of the time. Burnout is a really big problem there. So what are some of the things that you guys do in your lives to make sure that you can take a little bit of time off or refocus to what's actually important. Yeah. I feel like my husband and I are like an all or nothing couple. So we're just like, if we're home, we're like, go, go, go. And so when we had our baby, we were like, that doesn't work. Like you can't just be on all the time. And so he's definitely taught us to take time for ourselves and for our family. It's easy without a child to sneak in a little bit of me time and time together. But we've learned that to actually set aside that time and put an effort towards that time. And yes, sometimes it's last minute, but it's making the conscious effort of putting that time out there. And even if we go on a date we still talk business. We never fully leave it, but it's just us. And so it gives us just some time to connect with each other and have conversation without the distractions. And then also just taking time. Like we 
our little boy loves getting outside. And so we go on a lot of nightly walks almost every night, even when it's cold, but just getting fresh air, going on hikes, going to the playground, like silly little things like that. But it just refreshes your mind, gives you a little bit of a mental break and then allows you connection with others and to create stronger relationships. Yeah, I love that. And I think that is extremely important for everybody to do, regardless of if they have kids or if they're married or not. You just always need to make sure to take time to refresh yourself and not burn out. Because if you burn out, then you're not going to do any good for your business or for yourself personally either. So yeah, they always say, if you know, you can't fill others' cups if yours isn't full. Mm-hmm. So fill your own cup and then you're allowed, you have the ability to help others more. And I fully believe that whether you're an entrepreneur or a parent or not, filling your own cup is very important. So to wrap up, we always do a lightning round. I just love getting to know a few of these answers to some of my favorite questions from other successful entrepreneurs because I'm just super passionate about fear and failure because that has really affected my life for the good and the bad whether I've understood it or not. And so I'm just always curious to see how it works with other entrepreneurs as well. I'll try to give lightning answers. <laughs> so the first question that I have is, what is your biggest fear? Letting others down. I'm a people pleaser and that's something I'm always working on. But that's now that me. I have so much responsibility, I'm responsible for so many people, not just employees, but you know, manufacturers and sewers. And there's so many levels to Courtney Jean that I failing to me is letting those people down. You just basically, I don't even need to speak. We can end this podcast right now because that is me to a T. I have been a people pleaser my entire life. Every single failure that I have, what I would call a failure, at least every single failure in my life has all traced back to me letting someone else down. We're the same yes. right there with you. <laughs> and it is just, it is really hard for me to get out of my head there because it's good to want to help other people and it's good to be there for other people. But my problem is I get stuck in my head and I feel really bad. Like if someone asks me, Hey, can you help me do this thing? And I say, Oh, I'm so busy. I can't. And I have an actual commitment and I can't go. It's hard. It tears yeah, me up I'm for days on end, especially like, from a customer standpoint, like you put policies in place for your customer to protect your customer and your business. It's hard to not be able to please every single person, but you also can't let your business fail at the same time. And so it's hard making those tougher decisions. Yes. We definitely speak the same language when it comes to that. What do you, what are some of the things that you do to overcome that or to? manage that in your life and in your business? Um, I have to just remember that I have people on both sides to take care of. Um, like I said, customer, and then you have employees and other people in place. And so you have to make the decisions that are best for everyone. And you are in the business of making money in the end, right? And if you don't create revenue, then you're not a business anymore. And then your customers can't purchase. And so it really is a circle of just trying to maneuver and put those things in place so that your customers know what to expect and your employees know what to expect. And then it's a little bit easier to make those harder decisions. I like that. I hadn't heard that a lot. Remember that if someone's asking something of you, there are other people that need stuff as well. And so it can help you kind of maintain the middle ground instead of going all the way to one side there. So that's really good advice. The next question is, what is your personal definition of failure? Oh, giving up. I feel like that's probably a common answer, but 
I think failure is just not trying and not pushing forward. So when it comes to that, like, what are some of the mindset things that you have to allow failure to push you forward instead of being a barricade? So long story short, 2019 was a really hard year for us. We approached a lot of failures that were unforeseen things I wouldn't even have like fathomed happening. And it was just kind of one thing after the other, we'd get over a hump and fix a failure or quotations, fix a failure. And then another one would come up that was similar. And I had to switch my mindset that instead of how are we going to fix this from happening again, it's how are we going to approach it next time it happens. And that has mentally and emotionally like just saved me to know that like, yes, it's going to happen again. And this is how we'll approach it next time that may be a little bit better and we'll be fine if it does happen again. And it comes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Worst case scenario, if you recognize and already know that that can happen, then you're much more prepared for it. Instead of just hoping that it never happens, bad things are going to happen in life. Just expect them, but also have a plan on how you're going to overcome them the next time that something bad does happen. Yeah, it's inevitable. You're going to fail. You're going to reach hard points in your life. But I think having a little bit of a game plan ahead of time of how do you want to take on those failures and how are you going to react to it? So what is your game plan for that? (laughs) I think it just goes back to a little bit what I said earlier of people are going to reflect how you react. And if you come at them hot or if you come out into the world stressed, then they are going to reflect that and they're going to eat off of that and prey on it. But if you stand up for what you believe in and you come out with a statement or if you're fixing it um, in-house or whatever it is, if you come out with a positive mindset or just a direction that you're going to go, but it feels like we're going to get through this and you have that attitude, then everyone else reflects it and they take it on with much more gumption. Yes. <laughs> and they're way more excited about fixing that failure instead of like, oh, we suck. We're never going to get through this. And when we do, it's not going to be the same. It comes back to your mindset and just how you approach it to others, how you present it to others. Cool. Yeah, I like that a lot. The next question is, everyone that I know that's successful has things that they do constantly in their lives, has habits that they do to make sure that they're in a good mind state and in a good space personally. So what is one habit that you have that's contributed to your success? The last year and a half, I would say journaling. Never journaled before that. Maybe when I was a kid, wrote my crush down. Today, I went to the gym. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The play-by-play. But I decided that I was going to take... I just started weekly. Like Every Sunday, I'm just going to take 10 minutes to journal. And now I've gotten just such a good habit of it to sit. Um, What I love about journaling or what I've grown to love is that you can't do anything else. It's kind of like reading. You can't do anything else while you're doing it. Um, It's just your focus and that's all you can do. And so I just love taking that time. It's a little bit of meditation for me to just like reflect back on things that have happened in my life and then be able to look towards the future. Yeah, that's a really good piece of advice there. The next question is kind of opposite. You just barely mentioned it, but reading. I love to read. Reading is one of my favorite hobbies to do. So I'm always curious, what would you say is your favorite book or what is one book that you would recommend? So you gave me this question beforehand to think about and I was like, I think I'm going to have to fudge something (laughs) and maybe I'll look Google something and make it up. But I love reading too. It's a passion of mine. But over the past couple of years, 
I have used it as a form to escape work and escape where my mind is always going. It's always thinking about work, always thinking about how I can be better, do better. Um, and so now I just read for entertainment, for yeah. fun, for leisure. And I use podcasts as my form of like business and learning on yeah. that side. So I'm going to suggest a podcast instead. If you don't listen to it, Jenna Kutcher's Gold Digger, G-O-A-L, Digger. Um, she sh- is just full of knowledge and she is always sharing so many good nuggets of knowledge about business and life. And I think it applies not only to entrepreneurs, but just anyone that wants to learn and wants to dive into something new. She just has hundreds of podcasts. She also has free offerings online to learn and grow. And I think that is a great source. I like that a lot. I listen to podcasts all the time too, but I've heard of her and I've heard her on other podcasts. I haven't listened to her specific podcast though. So I'll have to check it out. um, I think you'd love her. She's pretty incredible. Cool. And then the last question in the lightning round is, what would you say to a small business owner who is struggling right now? What is one piece of advice that you would give to small businesses who are struggling in this time of uncertainty that we're living in? I think to just try and try again. I know we're talking about failure. So I guess that fits right in to just not give up. But at the same time, like you may be trying something. Why don't you try it in a new way? It might work a little bit better. And it doesn't mean that your idea is a failure, but maybe you're not approaching it the right way. So just try and try again. Finally, obviously your company is doing big things. You're doing really big things there too. I want our listeners to be able to have the chance to learn more about you and about the company that you have. So where's the best place that they can learn more about you and connect with you? Instagram is definitely the best source. It's Courtney Jean. We spell it super funky. So I'll spell it out. It's K-O-R-T-N-I-J-E-A-N-E. And then you can find us on our website, CourtneyJean.com. Perfect. Thanks so much again, Courtney, for taking the time and spending it here. I've learned a lot and... I hope our listeners get a lot from it too because it's been really, really good. My pleasure. 